Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaleta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco podcasting from the regular office in the Barclays Techstars Accelerator London 2020. I'm uh, very glad to be here. And of course, I want to thank Barclays and Techstars for uh, putting this amazing podcast room to my disposal for this uh, for this episode. In uh, this episode, I would like to talk about something that is extremely important, which is reproducibility in machine learning. Now, why is reproducibility important is, well, because most of the times, you know, as a data scientist, you will not be the only person in charge uh, or even developing a particular project or a particular machine learning model. Now, when I say machine learning model, of course, I'm oversimplifying because machine learning is not just, you know, models that you write in a Jupyter notebook or or anywhere else in your in your on your laptop but it's something that is you know once it gets operationalized it, it is much more sophisticated piece of software that needs to be integrated with the rest of the infrastructure of the small or large organization you are dealing with and so it becomes extremely important to make things reproducible uh, for one simple reason because you know you're not going to be the only one working on this and so probably the people who are going to come after you uh, you know they shouldn't waste their time understanding what you did what you did not and of course they would like to replicate whatever you claim about that particular model uh, and so there are a few steps that you really need to take into account whenever you are working in machine learning in order to maintain this reproducibility very high in your organization most of the times or the organizations i've been dealing with uh, create a lot of redundancy you know in order to mitigate the risks if someone leaves the company or if someone well gets fired uh, you don't want that project to to fail just because of one person who was probably the lead developers or the project leader and so usually what happens in large organizations is that they create this redundancy in machine learning projects in fact in any project and when it comes to machine learning this redundancy can create problems because when things are not reproducible and multiple people are involved we're gonna waste a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on and also why certain results are not really in agreement with the other results that we probably expected from that model and so on and so forth now there are three levels that you need to maintain reproducibility and these are you know at the method or methodology level at the model level, so models and algorithms, and of course, at the infrastructure level. Now, these are the three levels that any machine learning engineer should really be careful of. Now, what is the methods? Well, the method level is, in fact, when you start working on a particular project and you start analyzing you know, your assumptions. So you need to explain these assumptions and make them yours. And uh, not only that, you have to document these assumptions because your job as a data scientist or as a project leader in machine learning will be to validate these assumptions and uh, eventually do that as soon as you can, of course. Providing a clear explanation of all the assumptions that you have, uh, that you believe before even starting implementing your machine learning model is extremely helpful for, you know, people to understand what's going on with your, with your model once it is implemented, of course. 
Another thing that is really good to have is whenever applies, of course, is a proof of the claim that you that you make. And usually, you know, these proofs come in a mathematical form. Now, I don't know how many people are going to read this mathematical proof of, of your of your statements, but in a highly technical environments, this it's, it is very common to find someone who says, "Hey, look, I think that this assumption is, you know, not really realistic, or maybe the mathematical proof that you are providing to us is not really correct." So this doesn't apply in all the domains you might be working in but it can happen in very technical environments that you are also you will be also asked to document your uh, you know the proof of your claim now the second level at which you as a data scientist would like to make things reproducible is at the level of machine learning models and algorithms and so uh, in fact, what you want to provide is a very detailed and clear description of the mathematical setting that you are uh, using. And, uh, of course, all algorithms, in fact, are just applied mathematics. And so they have, uh, you know, a lot of statistics and uh, a lot of uh, uh, computer science, of course, a lot of uh, uh, of calculus. And so this is the you know description of the mathematical setting that you are dealing with for your particular model. So now, I'm not saying that you have to provide a crash course on uh, on mathematics, but definitely des describing why that particular algorithm is uh, something that is more appropriate for the project at hand would be helpful. One thing that I've never seen or very rarely seen in, uh, in my career is uh, finding an analysis of the complexity of the algorithm. And so, for example, time complexity, space complexity, or the sample size, probably sample size is the easiest that I could find around, you know, when data scientists come back to me and say, ha, huh, yeah, I tried this method and uh, it works with this much accuracy because, and I'm sure I'm confident of this accuracy because I've tried this on, let's say, 100,000 samples. Now, this, of course, doesn't tell anything because maybe your entire domain is sitting on top of, uh, let's say, 100 million uh, records or observations and so trying your model in uh, only hundred thousand of them can look like you know a big number but in fact hundred thousand is probably nothing it doesn't really represent the phenomenon that you are uh, trying to model providing these things is extremely important because these are uh, the exact components that uh, whoever is going to analyze your algorithm at some point in time uh, will need in order to assess if that algorithm is well interesting or complete crap. Time complexity and space complexity are also two important concepts that um, they, they teach at, uh, of course, at computer science courses, computer engineering courses, also in math. It's very important to understand how complex your algorithm is. Uh, it's not only a matter of how long does it take, you know, to execute a certain set of functions, but how much space does it need in memory, for example, in order to work. Many times I've seen data scientists having a lot of fun with, for example, nested fours or for loops uh, that increase, of course, the complexity by, you know, every time you insert a nested four, it increases the complexity of one order of magnitude. Well, in these cases, you know, it's kind of naive way of programming things. And when you want to scan, for example, uh, different combinations of, uh, of records or observations, it's very easy for the, let's say, newbie 
data scientists to use things like you know nested for that increase the complexity of your program and it's even more difficult to well find a description of this of such complexity and so many times we see uh, things that can really be done in a linear time or in polynomial time and in fact have been implemented in uh, in uh, cubic time or even higher orders of magnitude. Why I say this is because before writing the code, please take a paper, piece of paper and a pen, put down your idea and try to figure out what is the complexity in time, in terms of time and space, not just sample size of your algorithm. Because if you document that, uh, whoever comes after you has an amazing picture of what was the effort in order to, you know, write the best performing algorithm at the time and uh, eventually if it, if it is possible to improve it. We mentioned last time how important are metrics and uh, I will never be tired of repeating this. Guys, fix your metrics before even starting coding. Coding should be the last part of the problem, right? So define your metrics. If you want to understand how important metrics are, just go back to the previous episode, have a listen that is also done, who's going to tell you how important metrics are, not only in data science, but also in data engineering problems. Another important component to stay reproducible is hyperparameter choice. Now, hyperparameter choice is, in fact, all the parameters that you are using for your particular model, and you have to document how did you get there. Did you get to these parameters by hand, or did you use some sort of grid search, or some sort of random search, or whatever method you use to get to this hyperparameter setting? It's very important because that would save a, a ton of time to all those who come after you and say, hey, I've tried that direction, I cannot improve my model any further, and please don't go grid search because it sucks, and probably you better do with random searches, which is much faster, and probably gets to more or less the same result. You know, conclusions of this type would definitely speed up the process of developing a model, improving the model, and also not repeating all the things that have been done because, you know, we want the model to be reproducible and progress rather than reinventing the wheel every time. The third and last uh, level of, uh, you know, where data scientists want things to be reproducible is, uh, of course, infrastructure. Now, I never mention infrastructure as, you know, the last of the levels because it's less important. Absolutely not. And so providing a description of the computing infrastructure that you used to get that particular result is extremely important because, for example, you used a GPU or you did not, what was the, uh, the, the memory footprint of your uh, entire algorithm, you know, the memory footprint will change according to the hardware that, that, you, are, that you are running your algorithm on. And so, uh, of course, the hardware, you know, if the algorithm is super complex in terms of computational complexity, changing the hardware or spending more money on the hardware or, or the infrastructure, it's probably not going to change much. But for in all other cases, changing the infrastructure might change the results, of course, whenever the algorithms are already optimized. So a linear algorithm, in fact, would be a number of times faster if you, for example, increase computing nodes in your infrastructure. And so, of course, algorithms have to be coupled to the infrastructure because when this will change, when this will be updated, if the algorithm is optimized, everything will change. And so you want things to be 
uh, you know, reproducible, which means that eventually if you really want to measure that time or that space for that particular algorithm, you also have to replicate or reproduce or take into account the fact that at that particular period of the year, you were using that particular hardware. I hope this is helpful. I want to let you know that we are working on an amazing data platform called Primal, P-R-Y-M-L.io, that takes into account all these concepts that I just explained. Uh, Primal is a platform for data owners who need to share confidential data with consumers, and it enables data sharing by providing a synthetic version of the private data that need to be shared, and then you know everybody can, in fact, build their machine learning models or uh, data engineering pipelines in uh, a uh, safe environment without giving away confidential signals from the private data that one wants to share. Together with this, we also provide a very interesting uh, set of features that support engineers whenever they need to bring this machine learning model back to the data owner. And that's very important for us to you know, make sure that all these models are indeed reproducible, that all these models are, well, first of all, uh, sane, they, they are conformed to the sanity checks and the constraints that this model come with. And of course, they don't start messing around with the infrastructure of the data owner because they could be malicious pieces of code. So we make sure that all these things are in place. And we also make sure that things are reproducible. So that's why I think these are the things that you have to observe as a data scientist. But of course, once you have uh, access to the Primal platform, we will do that for you and we will give you support in enforcing this constraint and, of course, make your software faster, more reproducible and overall just better. That's it for today. I talk to you next week. Of course, don't forget to come visit us on our Discord channel. You will find coordinates how to get there. That's the place where we want you to share your opinions about previous episodes, even propose new ones. I mean, we are very open to discuss and talk about some of the most interesting topics that you that you like. So come in the channel and chat to us. I'll see you there. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.